Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. was the sound of a shofar. Um, I really wanted to have one and to blow it in person. Um, I tried to track one down. I asked all the friend, all my ministry friends if anybody had. I couldn't find one, but I really wanted to do that. Uh, a long time ago, in, in, a, in the land that we now call the Middle East, The sound of a shofar being blown was the official declaration that the Jewish Passover had begun. When that sound was sounded out, it was time for the Passover to begin. And for the Jews, Passover was an annual festival. It was a custom, it was a party, and it was filled with all of this symbolism and all of these different traditions. And one of the symbols was a lamb. The lamb was actually the centerpiece of the Passover tradition. Jewish families would make a special pilgrimage, a trip into Jerusalem. And they would have to purchase the lamb by the tenth day of the first month, four days before Passover. The lamb was required to be unblemished, and it could not be more than one year old. Later that day, starting about three o'clock in the afternoon and continuing all the way till dusk, the father or another family leader would take that family's lamb to the temple. And then, under the supervision of the priests, the family representative would slaughter the lamb and catch the blood in in a basin, and then the priest would toss that blood at the basin, at the base of the altar. After that, the family representative would skin the lamb, remove uh, the fat, the kidneys, so they could place that on the altar to be burnt. And then finally, he would wrap the lamb in its skin, place it over his shoulder, and carry it to the place where their family was going to gather to have the Passover meal. Passover was a celebration that was meant to remind them of their history. It reminded them that their ancestors had been enslaved and had been in bondage. The lamb was a sacrifice and a meal that was meant to remind them that God had heard their prayers and he had rescued them. The history of that moment is told in the Bible. In the book of Exodus, we learn about how God's people had been enslaved and had been mistreated in Egypt by the Pharaoh. 
But God called out, and we talked about this last Sunday, God called out and commissioned a man named Moses. And he told Moses to confront Pharaoh, to go to Pharaoh, and to tell him that God says, let my people go. And you know the story. Pharaoh says no. And over and over again, Pharaoh is asked, let my people go. And over and over again, Pharaoh says no. He refuses. And over and over again, God delivers a plague upon Egypt. Water turned to blood, a plague of frogs, a plague of gnats, and then flies, the death of the livestock, a plague of boils, of hail, swarms of locusts, and then a plague of darkness. And after each plague, Pharaoh is given this opportunity to do what God said, but his heart stayed hard. His decision was fixed, and his decision was firm. And then the tenth plague, the last and the final plague, and it was a brutal one. It was a brutal one. It was desperate. It was meant to break through a stubborn and rebellious heart. Exodus 11, verse 4 through 7. So Moses said, This is what the Lord says. About midnight I will go through Egypt. Every firstborn son of Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who's in her handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. The final plague, this last plague that Moses comes to Pharaoh and tells him is going to happen, is called the death of the firstborn. And that was going to be, that would be the night of deliverance. That was the night God's chosen people would be rescued and be set free. That night was Passover. Exodus chapter 12 gives us the details that Passover remembers. In Exodus 12, verse 21 through 23, Moses tells them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and both sides of the door frame. Not one of you should go out of the door of this house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he'll see the blood on the top and sides of the door frame, and he will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. So that night, that's what the Israelites did. They marked their doors. With the blood of a lamb, they marked both sides of the door and then the top of the frame. And that night, Death came to every household, but death passed over those who were marked by the blood. Death passed over those who were protected by the blood. And so that's what they then remembered from that time forward. That's what they remembered when they celebrated the Passover. They remembered being saved by the blood of the Lamb. Does that sound 
familiar? The Passover in Exodus foreshadowed what Jesus would do for us. Because the Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he became our Passover. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. 1 Peter 1.19 says, We've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. In Exodus, they were saved by the blood of the lamb, and we are also saved by the blood of the lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. So back in Egypt, it's midnight, and the Passover happens. Exodus 12, verse 30 says that there was loud wailing in Egypt. And then in verse 31, Pharaoh tells Moses, take your people and go. It was it. That was it. Ten plagues. That's what it took. Take your people and go. And this is when the Exodus begins. The word Exodus This was interesting. I didn't know this. The word exodus comes from a Greek word that literally means the road out. Today, the word exodus is often used in reference to a mass departure of people. There was a mass exodus. That's how we typically use that phrase today. But the Greek word actually means the road out. I was going to tell you a joke about the exodus but I was afraid you'd leave. That's the joke, in case you didn't catch it. (laughs) The tenth plague was the final plague. And the Passover was when the Exodus began. But it's it's not the end of the story. Because Pharaoh's heart, once again, becomes hard. And as the Israelites are hitting that road out, as they're taking off, Pharaoh decides, I don't want all of my slave labor to leave. And so Pharaoh's heart becomes hard, and he begins, he decides to chase them down. And in Exodus 14, the Israelites have made it to the Red Sea. They're encamped along the shore of the Red Sea. And They get word, and maybe even they see or they hear Pharaoh's troops coming at them, and they begin to panic. Moses, have you brought us out here into the desert to die? Moses, what are we going to do? There's nowhere to go. Have you just brought us here to die? And Moses says this. Moses says, Do not be afraid, stand firm, and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians that you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Sometimes, all we see is the impossible. We see an army coming up behind us, and there's nowhere to go. We see our failures our struggles, we see the old habits, we see the past running up on us once again. 
The troubles of this life are bearing down on us hard. We can't see any hope ahead of us. We wonder, has God left us right in the middle of this desert, in the middle of this mess? That's exactly, that's exactly what the Israelites saw. But God was getting ready. God was getting ready to show them that he is the God of the impossible. And he had promised that he was going to fight for them. You just be still. I'm going to fight for you. Exodus chapter 14, verse 21 through 29. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing forward toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had been following the Israelites into the sea, not one of them, survived." But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. On Passover night, they had been saved by the blood of the Lamb. But at the shore of the Red Sea, it looked like their rescue had led them to a dead end. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the waters. And God pushed back the waters and he gave them a path to move forward. Now, we could call this just a really cool story about a really big miracle. We could say this is just a really cool story about a really big miracle, but we need to take a closer look, and we need to look at the New Testament. The Passover and the Red Sea is a real-life historical event that foreshadows what it means to be saved through Jesus Christ. In the Exodus, God saved the Israelites from being enslaved in Egypt. In Jesus Christ, God saves us from being enslaved by our sin. In John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus says, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And in John 8, verse 36, Jesus says, If the Son has set you free... You are free indeed. And all of this, all of that, all of this leads me to ask you two questions this morning. 
I've just got two questions that I want you to consider this morning. And the first question is this. Are you covered by the blood of the Lamb? That's my first question. Are you covered by the blood of the Lamb? You see, back in Egypt, Moses told them to sacrifice an unblemished lamb. And then they had to take the blood from that lamb, from that sacrificed lamb, they had to take the blood from that, and they had to put it on the doorways of their homes. They had to put the blood at the top of the doorframe, and then blood on each side. By the way, what shape does that make? When you have blood here, here, and up here, and then it drips to the floor below, what shape is that? Do you think it's a coincidence that it's in the shape of a cross? I don't think that's a coincidence. I also think we need to consider something else. The lamb, that lamb had to be sacrificed, but then the blood had to be applied. The lamb had to be sacrificed, but then the blood had to be taken and it had to be applied to their doorways. If they would have taken that lamb and sacrificed it, but never put the blood upon their doorways, they would not have been passed over. Jesus, our lamb, has been sacrificed. But the question is, have you applied that sacrifice to your life? He's been sacrificed. He died on the cross for our sins. But have you now taken that sacrifice and applied it to your life? John Calvin once said, As long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him, all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race will remain useless and of no value to us. Jesus has died for our sins, but that is meaningless unless you apply that to your life by placing your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. You see, we're not saved by Christ until we are in Christ. We're not saved by Christ until we are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, their new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Galatians 3.26 and 27 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. You see, you're not saved by Christ until you're in Christ. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. As the old church hymn says, the question that hymn asks, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And so now my second question. The first question, are you covered by the blood of the Lamb? And now my second question Have you walked through the Red Sea? Are you covered by the blood of the Lamb, and have you walked through the Red Sea? I think the Exodus picture of being rescued includes both the Passover and the Red Sea. At the Passover, they were saved by the grace of God. At the Red Sea, 
they walked through the water and they put their past behind them. They were not free until they were on the other side of the sea. They were not free until they let go of Egypt and stepped forward into a new life. And I'm afraid that sometimes some people get stuck at the shore of the Red Sea. I'm afraid sometimes some people just get stuck right on the shore of the Red Sea. Essentially, I think sometimes people want salvation from God, but they don't want to cross the sea and leave Egypt behind. Does that make sense? I've seen too many people say that they want to be set free from sin. They want the grace of God. They want God in their life. They want his mercy. They want his forgiveness. So they make the decision and they declare that Jesus is Lord and Savior, but then nothing changes. Nothing changes because they're not doing anything different. God pushed the waters back and gave them dry ground, a path to move forward, but they have not left the shore. Freedom's right there on the other side, but they have to step forward and cross the sea. And I've been there. I have been there. I have been slow and hesitant to make decisions to follow God. I've wanted to follow, but I've been reluctant to make changes. I've known what direction I'm supposed to go, and I've sat there unable or unwilling to move. My first ministry lasted about five years, and it didn't end in a good, positive way. And I was hurt, I was angry, I was frustrated, I was confused, and I decided ministry was not what I wanted to do. So I was out. I stayed connected and active with a church. I still volunteered. I led a youth group. I kept my faith in God. But I was out of vocational ministry. And I was searching for what to do. And then after about a year, year and a half, and a lot of prayer, I remember hearing the voice of God. And it, it wasn't a literal voice but yet it was a very clear word from the Holy Spirit. And I heard God say, I didn't lead you to where you are for you to not be in ministry. Maybe, maybe some of you can relate. It, it might not be a call to ministry, but it might be that very first real decision to follow Jesus. It might be a decision to not just do church, but live in Christ. It might be a sinful habit that you're meant to leave behind. It might be a hard decision that needs to be made. It might be a call to a deeper, a, a deeper faith, more commitment. It might be a personal sacrifice that God is asking you to make. It might be a change that needs to be made. The, the Red Sea was the moment that God's people had Egypt behind them and the promised land in front of them. 
but they had, to they had to start walking in some scary waters to get there. Long time ago, a woman named Annie Johnson Flint wrote a beautiful poem that says, Have you come to the Red Sea place in your life where in spite of all you can do, there's no way out, there's no way back. The only way out is through. Do you remember what happened on the other side of the Red Sea? They, they crossed the sea. The Egyptians continued to chase them down, and God brought the waters back and defeated them. And then Exodus 15.1 says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. On the other side of the Red Sea, there was a celebration and a song. On the other side of the Red Sea, there was a celebration and a song. Trusting God, walking forward in faith and obedience, always leads to a song. Just like those Israelites back in the days of Moses, we have a rescue story the Lamb of God has been sacrificed. The waters of the Red Sea have been parted. The promised land is on the horizon. Are you covered by the blood of the Lamb? Have you walked through the Red Sea? Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the Word of God be living and active in your life.